0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on, guys? It is your boy, Dylan, at Thunder Chats, coming to you with our presenting sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With ultimate odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team and remember to use our promo code BLEAV, that is capital letters B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. My- and welcome back everybody to another edition of the top of thunder podcast i'm your host dylan Singer at thunder chats where you're part of the b-leave network and this podcast is brought to you by batonline.ag we have a very special episode planned for you guys today first before we get to all that i got to get to my co host first we got in the Batmobile, rocking with the new mic, we got Batman himself, Alex Galejandro, Aurelio. What up,
1: Alex? What up, man? What up? Just just ready to get this podcast started, man. We got we got a good guest on.
0: It's true, man. and you're you're on a ticking time bomb. So let's let's keep it going here. So <laughs> also we've got we've got the man, the myth, the underscone. He famously is not muted his mic this time. It is Connor. What up, con?
2: I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I was telling them before the podcast, I did a lot of work today and I guess I've just completely forgotten how microphones work. So I've been mute pre-call. I was muted on the mic, muted on the computer, switched those back and forth about three, four times in the process. So I'm unmuted now. If you can hear me, things are going well. And yeah, like Alex said, excited to get going. I know he's got limited time out there before he has to go save Gotham, so we can go and get into it.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey. Without further ado, joining us today is a man hailing from Motor City. He is the fourth guest we've had on the pod, who is a Division One college basketball player. He played basketball for American University. He is a, the host of the Piston Pulse podcast, and he recently became the co-host of the Game Theory podcast with Sam Bocini. He was a player. He is a teacher. He is a coach. He is a podcast host. He's a scout. He's an analyst, and he is a first-time guest on the podcast here to discuss the Thunder seven half, second half of the season. Bryce
3: Simon. What's up, guys? Man, that's like one of the best intros I've ever got. Like, I always appreciate whenever people bring me on, and I know they did research they didn't ask me about. So, um, impressive, Dylan. I also want to say, just the intro for the pod in general, one of my favorite. Like, I don't know if everybody could see me, but I was smiling the whole time. So, that that was legit. This is a good start. Can we just quit? Like, let's go to bed. Let's go. Yeah, we're let's, good. Let's, stop let's cut count. it out. Like, stop the count. Stop the count. Let's,
2: <laughs> and, uh, end on a high. End on a high. Yes. We're good, Dylan.
3: I, I'm, ex- we're good. I'm extremely excited to be here, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, for sure, Bryce. Uh, obviously, you know, um, like I said, first time here, uh, I was lucky enough to join you in a pod with our guy, uh, Jack Tranquil of the yep. Drop Step Podcast, you know, and it was an awesome time. And, you know, we exchanged numbers. It was like we got to link up. So, here we are, man. I'm like, no better time like the present talking about Thunder basketball. But uh, before we get into that, man, you know, like we said, you are a first time guest. So whenever we have first time guests, we like to have a little background questions just so the listeners can kind of get a feel for who's on the other end of the mic. So starting off, man, this is easy. Let's take it back to the roots. What first got you into the game of basketball?
3: Yeah, man. So I grew up in a little town in Southwest Kansas. That's actually where I live to this day. And there's not a whole lot to do in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, as some people can imagine. And I I don't know, man, like I just fell in love with the game. My mom actually was the one that kind of got it started. And I just, I started playing it every single day. Again, there wasn't a whole lot else to do. Um, Sports have always been my life. I tell people basketball wasn't, the priority or sorry wasn't it, yeah it wasn't the priority it was the only priority in my life it's, it's all i cared about growing up um my wife was a college hooper as well we met had our had a, a league tournament like this like the, if, if there's a story in my life guys basketball's somewhere involved with it so um it's all it's all i've known for a long time i I love it and i enjoy that this is now taking up what i can't do anymore which is play it at a very high level
0: and hey, loving basketball man that's awesome
3: yep.
1: yeah man like uh, is your is your kid already signed to a scholarship somewhere man like are there offers already on the table
3: so it's funny uh he doesn't even know we haven't told him so he's our oldest is nine years old and uh, again very small town we we live at a different town in the same league and like there's going to be a lot of pressure. Cause like really my wife was a hooper, man. She thousand point scorer in high school, like all of this Ooh, stuff. It's like, shoot, yeah, she, she was a hooper. Um, and so we're like, he doesn't need any pressure. Like we don't want to force him into it or what. So he has no idea that either one of us played college basketball. We haven't told him. So oh, wow, he, he, wow. Does, he doesn't even know. So um, I'm sure he'll figure it out someday, but for now, we kind of just let him, you know, take his own path, you, see where it goes. You say, I mean, you Hey, say he goes that- on
2: that path. <laughs> he might be ready for one of the draft picks we have in like 2029 20, <laughs> yeah. or, or something like that. So there, there's still plenty of time to become a Thunder draft pick. Don't worry. We got a lot of them.
1: He yeah. says that like it's a like it's a family secret that he doesn't want anybody to know. Our son <laughs> still doesn't know that we played basketball at one time in our life. Yep. So, okay. So, yep. so you're one of the few uh, podcast hosts that we hear routinely that actually played basketball collegiately. Um So how do you take that experience and kind of – you know use it in your in your basketball coverage that you're doing now
3: yeah, I want to be clear about something. I don't think you have to play the game to evaluate the game. Like I, I've always said that. Like that stuff really pisses me off. Sorry. Like I, I hopefully I'm okay to say that. No, you're right. Um, absolutely.
0: Okay. We have the explicit tag. You're,
3: you're I, I'm free. I'm waiting for one of you to cuss to let me know that I can cuss. Um, Come, on, dude. No, 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 I'm just I, I'm a teacher, so I don't cuss because sometimes my uh, students do find the podcast I go on and listen. Me too. To them. Okay. Awesome teacher. Good. Yes. Um. And so, but. I, I, I don't like when people say that stuff. I will say I do think it gives me a different perspective. I played in two division one or two NCAA tournaments. I played JUCO. I played Division one. You know I, I've so I've had experiences. I was a college coach for a year after I graduated. I've coached <clears> girls <throat> high school basketball. I've coached boys high school basketball. I've been an assistant. I've been a head coach. Like all of these different things, it just allows me to look at the game a different way. Um, some things I think it does give me a perspective on is like the coach I played for, we scouted to no end with incredible detail. And I think it allowed me to see the game in a certain way that maybe not everybody does, but that doesn't mean everybody else's perspective shouldn't be valued. I could care less whether someone played the game or not. If they know hoops, they know hoops and I'm going to respect that opinion. So I want to make sure and be clear, like just cause I played the game, I don't think I know any more than anybody else, but I do think I have perspectives that I can give mm-hmm. because I was in those locker rooms. I was in those high like intensity situations, you know, those type of things. And it does give me a unique perspective on some things.
2: Yeah. And I know Dylan mentioned the intro. You've recently hopped on to game theory with Sam Fizzini or vassini I completely butchered that. Uh, (laughs) But I just want to ask, you know, how did you get in contact with Sam and how did you end up hopping on there? Which of course you do now pretty frequently.
3: Yeah. So that one's kind of random. So I do some non-media draft stuff um, that I'm not going to get into, but we met through that. The first time I ever called him was essentially like, Hey, I'm Bryce Simon. Nice to meet you. And it ended up being a 90 minute phone conversation where we talked about all of these different draft prospects and all of this different (laughs) stuff. Um, We stayed in touch. I would hit him up every once in a while about things and the other thing that probably played in my favor, I got to know Coach Spins pretty well as well. So me mm-hmm. and Spins um, became—I would call us friends. And so I think whenever that was all happening behind the scenes, I would assume Coach Spins kind of you know pushed me a little bit as well to be you know the, the the person that filled into those shoes. I didn't realize that role came with the pressure that it did. Like I don't know if you guys know this, but the last three people that have been his co-hosts now work. You know, full time, like in NBA front offices, scouting with agency like that. And I'm like, okay, well, I I hope I'm not the one to break this, but I don't (laughs) I'm married three kids. I don't know that that's the path for me or not. So who was it before Penny? So I, I didn't know who it was, but whoever that person was apparently works in full time realm in some way. I've only Wanda. known Penny, and then Spins. That's that's all mm-hmm. I was familiar with. And if we've so, never uh, heard of
1: that, about them again, they work for the.
0: Thunder <laughs> <Thunderbolt>. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Vince Rosman probably, Pro, Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. that I mean, I I've really enjoyed, you know, I would I mean, obviously, I enjoyed, you know, the dynamic have with yeah, Penny. Obviously, with Spins, Spins is much more of like an analytical guy, but like I really enjoy your dynamic on there. So I me. Mean, You've been killing it. Keep up the good work. Uh, thank thank you. you for all the notes that you took on All Star Weekend because it's about to come into play. Uh, you know, before we get into Thunder Talks, I just got to ask you because I know Alex has some takes he wanted to get off too. Uh, what What was your kind of take on All Star Game and All Star Weekend as a whole?
3: Yeah, I mean, I threw my notes away, so I don't have them <laughs> with me because I didn't need them. I was so disappointed, guys. Like, I don't know if you guys were disappointed. Thank or not. you. Yeah, uh, listen. I literally had two pages of notes. I was like watching this stuff because I knew Sam was going to make me record right after the all-star game. And I'm like, if we're going to do this, I'm going to give legit stuff. We're going to talk about this and that and you know, whatever. I'm like, Ant shooting left-handed and the dunk contest is no fun. Steph and Sabrina was awesome. I thought the three-point competition in general was really cool. I think the whole weekend should be shooting competitions. Three-point shooting competitions, bring back retired players, bring in more WNBA players to do those sort of – like let's just do as much of those type of things as we can. I had hopes for the All-Star game, and it was such a letdown. It was such a letdown. I wouldn't have continued to watch it if I didn't have to record that pod. So, Alex, Preach, uh, brother. Okay, let, Preach, I'm, I'm glad I have uh, – do they disagree with us? Do Cone and Dylan disagree with us? I, what I, is going I have
1: for? no idea. But, like, okay. to me, that was an embarrassment. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. These are the best of the best in the NBA of this year. I know you can shoot threes. I know you can dunk. I know you can score a basket unabated, you know, unabated. Like I, I know all that. And like, and I'm not I even mean, I'm not even talking about the dunk contest or anything like that because I sure. honestly think that Friday night, the the uh sophomores fresh the rising stars. The rising the stars. Rising stars I freshman. thought that was great.
3: It was bad. Thought, yeah. you know
1: it was competitive. You know, the the G League team came out and they beat uh Team Detlef or Team I forgot which team it was. Team Detlef
0: beat Team Tamika. Yeah. team Pow, team power team, team Powell. Powell. Yeah, yeah.
1: and so they and that wasn't expected you know cuz you had a team full of like Wembyama and you had Kase Wallace on that team and you had and they actually came out and they beat them um so that was very competitive that was very good saturday nights is always a mixed bag you know dunk contest until you start you know i, I don't know what's i don't know what the fix is with the dunk contest but three point contest is always good skills challenge is a little bit weird um and yeah so the Sabrina versus Steph thing great all star game i was like okay it's going to be a competitive game. Like we got we're back to east versus west. You know, this is no longer, you know, pick, you know, pick guys on the playground type type stuff. And I was disappointed, I was embarrassed because again, usually fourth quarter you say, "Hey, we're yeah. going to play some defense in the fourth quarter." And I understand nobody wants to get hurt. Hardly, you know, re- regardless of whether you play defense or not, hardly anybody gets hurt in these types of games. And re- and regardless of that, if you're playing the way you're playing as it was on Sunday, you can still get hurt, you know, but the MVP award for the game is named after Kobe Bryant, one of the most competitive people that has ever played the game outside of Michael Jordan, outside of, you know, that realm of person. And, and to, to play the way you did, you know, it kind of besmirches the, the authenticity of that title of that MVP award, like, Cat was having his own dunk contest. Like it was like, it was like, it was nothing out there. Like I could do that. Myself, Cone and Dylan, we've never played collegiate basketball. We could have gone out there that day and scored at least 10 points. That's how shitty the defense was. And so, yeah, I was, I was disappointed and, you know, I get it. Nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to necessarily put themselves in in harm's way. Um, But we expect this to be like the best pickup game we've ever seen. And it was a complete letdown.
3: So I want to touch on that real quick. You said it perfectly right there. Players at that level understand how to play a game of pickup, making it competitive without putting people in unnecessary danger or harm to get injured. You're right. Somebody could land doing what they did and tear an ACL with non-contact. I thought Kat was going to get hurt. Yeah, but (laughs) you can play a certain amount of defense, play with a certain amount of competitiveness. You just don't challenge guys at the rim. You don't do crazy fat. Like, you just don't do crazy things. There's a way to play the game competitively with a certain spirit to it where you at least stay in front of your man or try. You at least go with your man when he cuts to the basket off the ball. You at least run back in transition. And the thing is, I think it takes away how cool some of that stuff looks because it looks better whenever guys are playing at least a little bit of defense and then they throw a lob or they shoot from 35 3 and it's a contested shot. Like things like that. There's just a way to play the game. Doesn't have to be crazy serious, but there is a way to play the game without putting people at major risk of injury. Like this, yeah, was, it, this
1: was, no, one, more, one more note. One more. Let, let him go, let go, on him go off, Alex. Go off. ISO. So, so, we just went through the, the NFL Pro Bowl. Yeah, Nobody watches that shit. It's flag football. Nobody watches that. This was the NBA equivalent of, of flag football. That's what this was. And if this continues like this, nobody's going to watch the All-Star Game.
3: Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, it's – like like y'all both said, I mean it's a mixed bag with the whole weekend. I like the Rising Star Wars format. I even like the Skills Challenge format. I think it's kind of interesting, you know, what the shooting left-handed thing. It was a little bit like, okay – but overall, I think it's interesting. Three-point contest to me has been the best thing for a while, like just the shooting. And then the Sabrina Steph thing was awesome. I really hope they bring it back with what they were talking about next year. You know, maybe it's like Stefan <clears throat> game versus Sabrina. And if Caitlin Clark decides to come in and do something like that, like that's super cool to me. I like that crossover and that type of event. That was the highlight of the weekend for me. And then of course, after that, it all goes downhill. Dunk contest is rough. I like y'all said, I don't know how you fix that because I've seen a lot of people see, say that, you know, you need star power but like jalen brown didn't do anything special like God. i don't he shouldn't have been in the finals and if you take a look at the all-star rosters this year i think the only guy on either of the all-star teams that i would really want to see in a dunk contest or makes sense at this point is anthony edwards but outside of mm. that it's guys who are a bit older you know guys who aren't really these emphatic dunkers like you know there's Giannis, but he's not going to do like a 360 through the legs type dunk like maybe john moran maybe zion but The best dunkers aren't, you know, the all-star guys. They do a lot of things other than dunking. And like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon back in 2016, which is my favorite dunk contest of all time, neither one of them were stars at that point. Eventually, you know, Levine became an all-star. Aaron Gordon became a key role player for a title team. But neither one of those guys were all-star players. They're known as stars now when we look back, but in the moment they weren't. And that's part of the reason was they became stars is because they had that amazing dunk contest like that put their name on the map. So I don't think it's the star power thing. I just think the dunk contest, like we've seen so much at this point. And also like with the judges, Jacob Toppin threw down that crazy dunk. Like that dunk was sick. And they gave him like one of the worst grades of the first round. The Mac McClung dunk was awesome. The one where he like like grabbed it, let go and grabbed it again. That was super creative. We don't really see that. Yep. And they didn't give him a 50 either. Like the, the con, the, I don't know what it was. It just felt like we were in the twilight zone of dunk contests. <laughs> I don't know. That in particular was the weird part to me. And then the all-star game, you know, I don't know why they got rid of the Elam ending. I feel like that was one of the few things that could theoretically promote competitiveness because it's like, hey, if they get to this number, they're going to win. So maybe it inspires guys a little bit. Uh, so they got rid of that. You know, they went back to deal old format. Uh, I mean, you can hear it. Adam Silver's voice after the game when they asked yeah. him about it. And he's like, well, <laughs> yeah. you scored the most points ever. Congratulations. He was like so clearly upset about it. There's also the report today that um, Andre Ugodala, Larry Bird, and like someone else, like people from like kind of the players union or like the retired players association or whatever, went into the locker rooms and asked them to have like a competitive game before the game. And very clearly that message like did not it did, did not, not receive it was not received at all by anybody. And you know, there's fun moments like when Luka and Jokic were passing the ball back and forth, sure. going down the yeah. court and like Shea was throwing down the dunk, and you know, things like that. Like there are some fun moments. But at the very least, like if you do that for the first three quarters or the first half or whatever, I'm cool. Really, if they just played like solid defense, like doesn't have to be you know try hard, like really getting your stance type stuff. But if they just played decent defense in the fourth quarter, I think everyone would have been like, yeah, that was a perfectly fine All Star game. It's just no defense at all.
3: Yeah, the the, the score got too far away, guys. Right, like yeah. it just it got too much separation. And I'm the same way. Cone is like, okay, if we can get if I can just get one quarter of it being competitive. But you could tell like, it just wasn't headed down that path. Yeah. And Alex, you're right. Like It was cool watching those guys hit all the threes for a while. But at the end of the day, you guys, we know they can do that. And I, I don't need them playing a five-on-five game to shoot wide open jump shots. So, again, if they're not going to do it, let's just have a bunch of different three-point competitions because that's what's kind of entertaining at this point anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed back in the day, like uh, you know, the rest of Westbrook days when everybody was just throwing like – Lobs to every like everybody was running transition, and like there was just lobs going everywhere. And you know, you saw a few in the all star game, but uh, a few of them were to LeBron. And you know, he's still super athletic, but you know, I think he was banged up going in the game, so he wouldn't try and chase some of those lobs like usual. Um, Giannis wasn't even really getting mobs like that or anything like that, so I. I'm not like personally offended by it. Like I would like to see like, you know, the best players in the world play like a more competitive game. But at the same time, I get it. It's all-star weekend. It's kind of their break. And if they go to all-star weekend or participate in all-star weekend, that's taken away from, you know, the time that they need to like recuperate for the back half of the season. So I see both sides. I'm not personally offended by it. I wouldn't be mad if they made a change to it. But, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a strong conviction about it, but. Uh, I don't want to spend all of Bryce's time talking about the All-Star game. Just wanted to kind of tee that up because, you know, by by the time we podcast again, like it's not going to be All-Star weekend. We're going to be talking about the Thunder winning two straight games uh, coming off the All-Star break. I do want to
2: say real quick, I hope they at least consider the addition of that one-on-one tournament. I know a lot of people have talked about. That to me would be like the best addition possible. Like a 16-man bracket, just one-on-one, you know, you got three dribbles, first to five or something like that. That would be amazing to me. You put like a million dollar cash prize or something on the line, and the trophy guys come back to defend the title. I To me, that feels like a, a no brainer. If they want to make some kind of shakeup, that would really help it out.
1: Championship belt, championship
2: belt. Yeah, do a championship belt. Do something like that.
1: So the next year, the guy yeah. walks in with the championship belt. I mean, that's pride right there. That's what you got to kind of you know dig into—is their pride, is their ego? Oh,
3: I'm I'm in on the I'm in on the one-on-one tournament, hundred percent.
0: King of the court, man. Um, all right, kind of getting back to the Thunder stuff. So let's take it back to the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, obviously Chet's healthy. We draft case from Wallace, all these expectations for, you know, all the teams in the NBA. What was your preseason preseason expectation for the Oklahoma city Thunder brace?
3: Yeah, it wasn't this. I'll tell you guys <laughs> that like, I thought they were going to be good. I, I loved what they did last season. I was excited to see Chet. Chet has honestly, and I know we'll talk about him more specifically, I think he's exceeded my expectations for year one um, of his career. I know, you know, whatever, rookie, sophomore, like whatever you want to say, I I get people get upset about that. Um, Kaysen Wallace is a guy I really liked, but man, it seems like he's fallen to a perfect situation for him to be successful. He's being asked to do exactly what he can and then fulfilling that role really well. Um, I don't want to spoil everything, but you know, Isaiah Joe coming back, SGA just continues to keep getting better. This man is unbelievable. I, I, I guess my one worry was like, do some of these guys plateau, right? Like, Jalen Williams has an awesome rookie year. Does he come back and get better? Does he have a quote unquote sophomore slump? Does he mm. plateau? and obviously we all know that he's gotten better and is doing everything and more again sga has just gotten better and, and this team has just gelled in a way that's really really special so if you would have told me this team was hey they're at the top of the play-in or right there in like the 5-6 seed i've been like man that's a great step forward for them i remember i pushed back to sam really early on with this like I don't know if they're real title contenders. They're young. These teams kind of have to go through some playoff heartbreak before they really make a run to the title. I've shifted my mindset on that. So I I had expectations for them, but they've blown right past that. And, and that was me feeling good, you know, positive about this team and they've gone even further.
2: Yeah. Before the season, I know a lot of people were getting super hype. I tried to remain like objective because I do all my own stuff on YouTube. And so I try to remain, like, you know, as neutral as possible and try making predictions. Of course, I share the bias, but I was like, okay, I think my preseason prediction was us as a sixth seed. Yep. And I was like, we are going to be, we could be a playing team. But I think, and I even felt like I might be a little optimistic here. I was like, we are going to skip the plan. We are going to be a straight up playoff team. And I was telling people, like, if you think we're not going to be a playoff team, I don't know what to tell you because we will be at the end of the season. And, here we are as the two seed at the All-Star break. And if again, if you had told me that, if you told me you, we were on pace to win, what, 56 games at this point, I would have been like, you're going way too far at this point. I think my official projection was like 47 or something like that. And I thought I was like, hey, if we get close to 50 wins, that's sick. And now we're at a point where I think we're two or three wins away from tying our win total from last season. And we just hit the All-Star break. It's ridiculous the improvement that the team has made in just a single offseason. Because like you said, there were – You know, it's like, oh, you could have all this progression from young guys, but it's never all going to be linear the way you expect it to go. And then it just has been exactly that.
3: Yeah, that's what I know. Like the team I cover 82 games, it's like you think about, okay, this guy's going to get better and this guy's going to get better. and This guy's going to get better. And you're like, well, not everybody's going to get better. And for the Thunder, it seemed like everybody did. Like, I'm not saying this is the high end outcome from every single player. I get that. But, man, it sure seems like they're doing things the right way in terms of not just drafting block guys, not just coaching guys, but developing them and getting the best
1: out of them as well. So, so a lot of those draft picks were because of the Paul-George trade. Uh, so whenever that trade went down, was it 2019? Yep. Summer, yeah, 2019, summer of 2019. Yep. Um, What did you think that Presti would be able to turn it around this quickly? Like the thing, like, you know, our first iteration, we hit literally on three straight drafts. Yep. Durant, Westbrook, you know, Westbrook and and Ibaka, and then Harden. And we hit on that. Did you ever think that that could possibly be semi repeated, you know, this quickly and, and, and with this team?
3: No, I mean, it's super impressive, right? And and I'll be honest, like, I didn't know that SGA was going to be this good. And and maybe, like, I had my head in the sand. Maybe other people knew that this is what was going to happen. But, like, that was a huge part of, of that trade, obviously. Like, how impressive he is. And I know we'll talk more about him. But Sam Presti, man, like he's he, I mean, does anybody do it better than him right now? Like, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that anybody's doing it better. I'll tell you this part of a reason why people were so excited about Troy Weaver getting hired as the GM in Detroit was because he came from Oklahoma City. I guarantee you that was part of my argument. How many ever years ago when it happened was like, oh, he'll come in, he's learned under Presti, he's going to try to do it the same way. Obviously, that hasn't been. I will also say, I really love teams where you can just tell they have a vision and they stick to it. And it makes sense. Like this five out dribble pass shoot. They haven't gone against it in any way yet. In my opinion, you know, even at the trade deadline, people talked about some certain bigs that maybe they should go after. They didn't do it. I know they brought in Bismack, right? As a, Mm -hmm. as a way. So, but like, we'll see how much time he actually plays. I think the person they did trade for makes a lot of sense in terms of what they're trying to do. So I just feel like they found a vision, they've stuck with it, and then they have this plethora of draft picks where you can just go get the player that fits perfectly with what you're trying to do. Has it all been perfect? No. But the things that needed to be right, they've pretty much got right. Yeah, it's
2: it's hard to get everything completely correct, especially when yes. you have as many picks as you know we do. are <laughs> there are gonna be some misses, but you know, it's it's been a crazy ride. Again, as someone who is pretty optimistic with the team, tries to remain kind of level headed. Uh, if you had told me, you know, at the end of that 2020 off season where we trade away Chris Paul and all those other guys that we'd be this good this quick, I don't know if I would have believed you. So um, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like you mentioned, Shea's kind of been the big player for this team what he's done so far becoming an mvp caliber player i know me and dylan were both you know pretty optimistic saying that Shea could be the number one guy in on a championship team and an mvp eventually alex i forget where you stood on that but i know that dylan and i were on that boat pretty early i, uh, I want to ask you about what'd you say
1: i stood on business
2: okay i appreciate that uh but I wanted to ask a little bit about Shea. What's your favorite part of his game? And what's another area you think he could improve on to take another leap if possible? Which it seems like at this point, he has endless leaps in his bag, so.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. To answer the second question, I, I guess the three-point volume, like is mm. that the, that, that's probably the, easiest answer like that's probably the the percentage is creeping up yeah 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 the the percentage is good but the volume is still what 3.3 like that's not bad Mm -hmm. but you know if all of a sudden he's shooting five or six at 37 along with what everything else he does like i guess that um you know obviously he's taking a leap defensively leading the nba in steals like it, it there's listen guys I think I would make a pretty strong argument for him being the MVP right now. Now, before Joel Embiid's injury, I would not have. Like, I was very strongly Joel Embiid for MVP, depending on games played. If you made me vote right now, and this is not because I'm on, I think I would vote SGA on February 20th as MVP of the league. I I think I would, I I still think Jokic maybe.
1: Stop the count. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I still That's think a-
3: Jokic is probably the best player in the world but just based yeah. off what's happened this year and all of that I think I think I would go SGA. The my favorite part of his game is the suddenness and the change of pace that he plays with. The way he is able to change speeds, change directions, and change pace is just it's amazing he's able to decelerate when he needs to he's able to then explode out of that when he needs to he can play in the mid-range he can get all the way to the rim he can get to the free throw line like what does this man not do and the thing that i love about it it's not crazy flashly right like it's not some super crazy creative handle that's going to end up on a mixtape but it's a very practical handle. He's not putting dudes on posters that are going to end up on the Sports Center top 10, but he has crafty finesse finishes. He can play through contact. It's just, it's the way he does it that's very aesthetically pleasing to me, at least. I enjoy that type of player. And Every time I even just look at a box score, guys, I swear he scores thirty, has eight rebounds and seven assists. It's like it's like clockwork with this man. And then I actually watch it, and it's even more impressive. And three steals. Three steals. My bad. Oh my Get god, it.
1: I, I shortchanged it. Thank you, Alex. You <laughs> saved me. I appreciate it.
0: I hope you eight, remember Bryce. Okay. Oh, go I'm
1: gonna go ahead and head out. Bryce, it's been real. Yes, Alex. Probably. Thank you. So y'all kill it. See you, brother. What's up? Yeah, Bryce. I don't know if
0: you remember, but whenever we finished recording with Jack, and we were just like sitting there, like uh, like riffing at the end of the podcast. Um, I was sitting there like freaking out because I was watching the Thunder. I think it was the Hornets. Oh, who yeah, was yeah, playing. yeah. Uh-huh. And Shay Shay had a legit five by five draw at halftime, and I was I was going nuts. But no, I mean one one of the things that like really impresses me about Shay, and I think even differentiates him a little bit with all the other like top players in the league. Is just his consistency. Yeah. Like you have guys like Luca who can go off for 70, but you know, there's going to be nights where he has like 19, 21 points. Like Shay is almost, you can mark it down. He's like somewhere between 27 and like 37 points pretty much all season long.
3: Yeah. No, that's, it would have been interesting. I wish that would have been a really good thing for me to look up in preparation for this. It would be interesting just to see his game log and kind of what, you know, the difference, Cause like, it's not like his scoring is skewed, like you say, because he has some 60-point game or you know stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. every single night he brings it, does what he's supposed to. I was looking at his just like field goal percentage by distance. I guess he's 74% essentially at the rim. They basketball reference calls it zero to three feet. He's 49% three to 10, 51% 10 to 16, 55% 16 to the three-point line. And then as you mentioned earlier, 37% from three, it's just – I think what's impressive is the numbers back it up and then the film backs it up. And that that's what mm-hmm. I love. Like you talked earlier about, like we talked about like my experiences and stuff. And one thing I've learned throughout the years is like, I feel like I have a pretty good eye for film. Like I can watch a game and, and figure out a player, but there's a lot of numbers that go along with it as well. Analytics aren't like something that's not necessary. Like it's an... And the analytics love him, the box score, like all of these things love him as well. So the eye test passes, the number test passes, he's one of the best players in our game and it's so much fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I was trying to find this stat real quick. Um, Basketball Reference does say he has uh, games where he had zero to nine points, he had one. I think that was the Denver Nuggets game early in the season is two games between 10 and 19, 11 between 20 and 29, 34 between 30 and 39, and then five games between 40 and 49. it, like,
3: it, it tracks, right? Like I was saying, like mm-hmm. it all tracks. You you look at the box score, and you like, hey, I bet this was super impactful. 36-8, and like Alex, you know, two or three steals. And I guarantee you, if you turn on the game, the way the game was played, the eye test matches what that box score said as well. He truly, guys, like he's I'm jealous. Like, I'm truly jealous of, like, the that he is so good and you guys get to watch him 82 games.
2: Yeah, we, hey. we are very lucky.
3: <laughs> hey, you know, according to
0: rumors, you could have had him in Giddy if you just Stop. gave us the number one pick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that is funny that you say that. Now, I remember those conversations. That's crazy. Wow.
0: Yeah, no, we we actually had Jake Fisher and Matt Bacock on the podcast at like different times, and they both were just like that's just what we were hearing from the Pistons side. Like that was never reported from the Thunder side. It's like people are still going to associate you with it, but all right. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
2: Um, um so moving on from the Shea talk, obviously, you know, he's been kind of the focal point of the team so far. Another guy that's been huge for us is Chet Holmgren, coming yep. in as a rookie this season, although there's gonna be a lot of people that say he's not truly a rookie, uh, literally the definition of a rookie, but he comes in and as a first-year player, is one of the top guys in defensive player of the year running, one of the top shot blockers in the league, the anchor of a top five defense in the NBA right now. Chet's been ridiculous. Want to ask you, do you think Chet as a rookie right now is going to be able to anchor a top four seed type of defense in the Western Conference playoffs? What do you think that's going to look like?
3: Yeah, like that's the question. What you said at the end is the question, right? Like mm-hmm. what does this all look like in the playoffs? Like that's where I'm at now is I don't want to fast forward the regular season because I love basketball and I want to watch as much as I can. But I think the Thunder, the most interesting team for me, for these playoffs. Like, I don't think they have a ton of pressure, right? Like, mm-hmm. if they don't make mm-hmm. it to the finals, nobody's going to freak out. If they don't make it to the Western Conference Finals, nobody's going to freak out. I mean, I guess if they, like, got upset in the first round or something, maybe there'd be a little bit of pause. But I just want to see what it looks like, right? Like, I want to see... Them, but... Yes, sorry, I didn't mean to speak that into the, <laughs> into the into the world. But I'll tell you what impresses me about Chet. He's skinny, right? Like, we all mm-hmm. understand this. Mm-hmm. He has practical strength. Like what I talked about with SGA's practical ball handling, like -hmm. just how it makes sense on the floor. I've never seen someone as skinny as Chet hold up the way he does when he takes contact in the chest, when he's playing with verticality, when guys just try to like put their shoulder into him. I'm sure you could pull me some clips of like, oh yeah, here he got bullied. But in general, that dude keeps coming back at you and he holds up. I don't have any reason to think it doesn't hold up in the playoffs. And part of that is the Thunder have good defensive players around him, right? Like we Mm -hmm. talked about SGA Dort can guard Giddy has size. J dub can really guard. I think Isaiah Joe is a competitor defensively off the bench. Mm -hmm. Cason Wallace was known for his defense coming into it. Gordon Hayward will at least have, you know, positional size and some versatility defensively. We know he's a little bit older. That's not really his thing, But I think that helps as well. So until I see it, I have no reason to doubt Chet holding up in the playoffs defensively. And really, I think he's a huge key. I don't know what you guys think. I think he's the real key to what happens offensively outside of SGA, right? Like having that stretch five man that can Mm -hmm. dribble past you, it just causes matchup nightmares for teams. And so I think what he does offensively in the playoffs as well is going to be really interesting.
0: Yeah. help stretch the floor. And, you know, yes. obviously like that I've been, I've been clamoring for the past two seasons, like get Shay shooting. Like I, I remember back in his like first year as the like main ball handler after Chris Paul was gone, Shay was like number one in points per possession and as a pick and roll ball handler. And he had freaking Isaiah Robey as his old man. <laughs> I was like, just get this guy, a big man that can space the floor, confidently run the pick and roll and like watch this guy go crazy. And here he is with Chet And, yeah, you know, the other thing with Chet that I don't think enough people realize or give him enough credit for, he hasn't missed a single game in, sure. his, in, in this season of his NBA career. I'm going to say the NBA career. That's just not true. But this season of the NBA career, he hasn't missed a single game. So, like, you know, he, he he had some games where he kind of, like, you know, slowed down, wasn't, you know, putting up as much of a scoring output, wasn't putting up as much shots, but, like, even those games where he kind of takes off offensively, defensively he's locked in because, you know, like, like the question said, like he is the anchor of this defense and as important as he is um, offensively with, you know, like, you know, giving Shea these opportunities by having that five out offense and having like a legitimate big man out there. um, You know, he also like gives us, he gives like guys like Shea the freedom to go out there and get, you know, two and a half steals per game because, you know, you know, you got somebody behind you, you know, if you mess up on a gamble, you got somebody that's going to hold you down. So I, I think that, you know, they're, they're, they're very like mutually beneficial to each other. Well,
3: and I feel like he offers enough versatility that if you need to change up the scheme, come playoffs against certain teams, right? Like he can do that a little bit. And I think in general, that roster and the lineups can do that as well. Cause you know, again, you may come up against a team and playing just, old school drop maybe they figure it out right and you don't want to guard that so you need to play him a little bit higher play him at the level maybe you want to hedge every once in a while or blitz uh, and you know chet is mobile enough to then recover out of that so i think i'm not saying you're just going to want to switch with chet all game long right but he is mobile enough that he can offer some versatility if you do want to switch some possessions if you want to do some different coverages um you know or you know what guys like you have the right matchups, let's play him off the ball on a non shooter and let him just roam around and not be in the primary action. So, I'd like that versatility that he offers as well. Some teams do to us, yeah, <laughs> yes.
1: yeah,
2: Sorry. um, yeah. Also, with the, the Chet thing, too, you know, like part of the reason we succeed despite not having a lot of size and what gets us going is we force so many turnovers, and nice. like Dylan said, a lot of that is we can take the gambles to get those turnovers because Chet's on the back line, and that's something else where. I think a lot of the discourse around rookie of the year, which at this point, I mean, Wemby's probably going to win it. He's been ridiculous. Yeah. But a lot of the discourse around Chet and rookie of the year and stuff earlier on that tried to discredit him was saying like, oh, you know, Chet plays next to Shea and Dub and all these other guys, but they also get to play alongside Chet. Like that's a big benefit for them too, especially we talked about on that offensive end where coming into the league, there are people like, oh, Chet's not going to work because he's so skinny. How can he guard the Jokic's and Embiid's and all these other guys? It's also a mismatch on the other end because he's so quick and has been so fluid with the ball in his hand. You know, he's got a great spin move. He's great at getting to the rim and just kind of using a little scoop because he's got so much length. He can shoot over guys, shoot the three. He's a mismatch in his own right. And we've seen him throughout the season. We've beaten, we beat the nuggets three times out of four this season, you know, with Nicole Jokic playing three out of those four games we held up perfectly well and got those wins and Chet did a great job in those ones. First game against Jokic, we really struggled. I mean, the whole team did, it was one of the biggest bullet losses of the season, but after that he adjusted, same thing against the Timberwolves after the first game where he looked really hesitant, he was a lot better in the other games. So it feels like he learns really quickly too. And I think in a playoff format where you give Chet seven games, potentially to try and figure out a team, especially teams that we've already going to have played before. I think it's going to allow him to be way more effective than people realize.
3: And I, And you guys know this, and I'm sure your listeners do as well. But his competitive spirit, it oh, sounds yeah, like is second to none. and And this mm. goes all the way back to the draft process. I remember people talking about it about how competitive he is he doesn't back down all of those things and and at the end of the day that stuff matters right like we just we just talked about this to an extent with like all-star weekend and stuff it'd be interesting whenever you get somebody like chet and wimby and those guys involved how are they going to act whenever they get in those situations but that that's going to play out well i'll say i knew he was skilled offensively i wasn't sure it was going to translate this well this fast and it Mm. absolutely has so credit to him credit to whatever Oklahoma city is doing with their, you know, their coaching staff, developmental staff, stuff like that. Um, he, he's been everything. He, he's exceeded expectations for his rookie season um, based on what I had for him.
0: Yeah. And the, and the other thing with Chet that, you know, I, I've kind of, I spent the entire off season, like this was like kind of my mantra. Everybody's talking about like, Oh, what's he going to do against Jokic? What's he going to do against MD? Like, you know, what's he going to do against him? Like, what are they going to do against him? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's a seven footer with a handle that, you know, can pull up for three, like, you know, get to the lane. Like, and he's got the, even that first game when we lost to the nuggets by like 30 points or whatever, I'm pretty sure Chet had like 21, 19 points or something like that on Jokic in like three quarters of action. Like he was, he was getting his and Jokic was having trouble staying in front of him. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, the thing that's scary about Chet is, he spent this entire offseason rehabbing from an injury sure. that yeah. you know set set him back for the entire year. He has to have an off season just to go into the lab and work on his game and work on his body. And coming into this offseason, I'm just gonna say, look out next year.
3: Yeah, no, there could be another jump for him for sure.
0: Hey, right, speaking of jump, players that took jump, I'm about to ask you a loaded question that's gonna make your mind explode. Right after a word from these sponsors. And we are back after a word from our sponsors. I left you guys with the tease. I left Bryce with the tease. Bryce, what is Jalen Williams' ceiling?
3: <laughs> um, as much as he wants it to be, like I—I'll I, be honest. I feel like sometimes he gets forgotten when I talk about him. I don't know about you guys. I don't know how about you guys feel like NBA national media and stuff like that. SGA gets all of this credit and attention, and rightfully so, right? Like he is a real MVP candidate chet is a real rookie of the year like we just you know talked about all the things he does and then i think sometimes it's like okay it almost stops there and it's like no there's another guy there that is really really good and as you pointed out has gotten even better this year so you know j dub is better from the field better from three significantly on more volume Mm. and averaging more assists with barely any more turnovers and I'll be honest, like I'm a little embarrassed. I went back and so I keep game notes from every game I watch. And I i don't know how many exactly thunder, double digit Thunder games I've watched in full where I took like in-depth notes and I'm like, dang, I don't write enough about Jalen Williams you know, I have these all of this. And I think it's just like what he does is just he just goes about his business and he guards and he gets a steal. And then there was some games I'm like, man, J-Dubs kind of had a quiet first half. And then I'll put, oh, wait, as I write this, now he's going off. He's taking the game over in the second half. I, has mm-hmm. it, that kind of been a trend for him or was it just the games I watched where maybe he just let the game come to him, let things go. But in the moments where this team really needed him to – turn it up he was always there and always reliable
2: yeah it's it's that fourth quarter the start of the fourth quarter when Shea goes to the bench yeah. and he's given the chance to be that primary ball handler that's it's when he that goes on yeah that's that's when j-dub shows up particularly he does kind of seem to have some slower starts to games kind of finds his rhythm but the second that fourth quarter comes around he is unstoppable he was leading the nba in fourth quarter points in january i'm not sure if he finished leading it but i know he was for majority of the month um he has one of the best shooting percentages out of anybody one of the best clutch true shooting percentages so when he gets those fourth quarter moments because the Thunder have a positive net rating even with Shea on the bench like we let an MVP caliber player go to the bench and because he's so good at the start of fourth quarters as that primary ball handler which has been to me like the biggest revelation for this team when we talk about why they are so good you know Giddy's been disappointing. And we'll talk about Giddy here in a moment. But Shea's fantastic. You know, Chet can handle the ball. Everybody on the team can handle the ball a little bit. But beyond Shea with Giddy not being great, we needed like one more true ball handler. And Dub becoming that player with as efficient of a score as he is, the defensive jumps, to me, that's the big thing that's gonna that has unlocked this team and could potentially turn them into, you know, a multi-time championship caliber team. Like if we win multiple titles, it's because, you know, We got Shea, he became an MVP player. We hit on Chet, but that was at the second overall pick, getting him at the beginning of the double digits, you know, towards the end of the lottery, securing with that spot and him becoming an amazing shooter an all around versatile player. Really the only flaw in his game I feel like there is at this point is he just doesn't shoot a lot compared to some of the other, you know, high profile young players. And I think that's going to come more and more with time, but to me, he is the key. And like you said, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Shea's the MVP and, you know, Chet, maybe he's rookie of the year, but J-Dub could very well be the second best player on this team, you know, behind Shea at some point. And like, I already think he's nearing all-star caliber. Yeah. He just doesn't quite have the recognition for that quite yet.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that I feel like is going to make all-star teams. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I, I had it in my notes, like him being able to take over games and be the guy, be yep. the man when SGA sits is incredible. But what I always like to point out too is, but then he can also play the role next to Shay when exactly. Shay is on the court because it's easy to say, oh, this guy takes over whenever SGA goes off, but he's only 60% of himself whenever SGA is on the court. Well, now that, that, that doesn't equate right. You know what I mean, guys? Mm. And so the fact he can be 90 95% of himself when SGA is on the floor and play alongside him and then go to that full 100% of dub whenever SGA is off, that's a truly special player that really is thriving in his role. And I think that's what makes it really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. It's funny the parallels that you have with this team from the, you know, the
0: first iteration of like, you know, Thunder U or whatever. And you have like, you know, Shea and KD like kind of remind me each other in terms of like just offensive engines, like guys that can go get a bucket on anybody, like quiet, like steely personality. You got Russell Westbrook, Chet Holmgren, fiery competitors like go out there and give it a hundred percent every single game. And then you got the Jalen Williams, James Harden. I'm not comparing them in their personalities or even their play styles, but in the first iteration, Harden came off the bench and, you know, he would kind of close with the starters. And that would be the time where, you know, he cooks by himself. And then, you know, he gets to kind of integrate with the team this time around Jalen Williams is with the team, like from jump, he's starting. And then, you know, he has these pockets in the game where it's dub time. And depending on how, how, how like hot he is in dub time, you know, Dub time carries over even when Shay's on the floor. And something that's been really special really in like this last like five, six game stretch is you've really saw Shay and Dub like thrive playing off of each other. Like, you know, in the beginning of the year, you know, Dub was a little bit sheepish, you know, like you were saying early on. But like this last stretch of games, like it's not just a your turn, my turn. Like, you know, they're passing each other on cuts like, you know, they're looking for each other. Um, you know, whenever they're running the fast break, you know, double be dribbling the ball on the you know, top of the key. Shay will be in the corner, vice versa. Like, you know, they're screening for each other. Like they're, they're really, truly playing off each other. And it's like borderline seamless and, you know, kind of transitioning into the other question. I, I wouldn't come and ask it, but, you know, there's another guy that, you know, there was a question with the fit whenever it happened. And like I've said in the pod, like a few times, like it's popped every now and then. And it's worked every now and then, but like whenever we win and we succeed with that pairing, it was in spite of that pairing. Uh whereas you know, this recent stretch of games, whenever Shea and Dub are like, you know, like I said, just fully riffing off of each other, we're winning because of that pairing.
3: I want to say just real quick, that mentality shift for dub to go from playing off of SGA and quote-unquote role player like that's not even fair to him but you guys know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying and then the mentality shift to be the guy with ball in his hand take the game over that's not an easy mentality shift for everybody right like think Mm -hmm. about a guy like isaiah joe and i love 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 isaiah joe but essentially point contest yeah i agree but essentially, Isaiah Joe knows what his role is every game, right? You're going to come in off the bench. You're going to knock down shots. You're going to score. You're going to play hard. Like, like there isn't a whole lot of times where all of a sudden like, hey, Isaiah, go be the guy for three minutes of the stretch. Think about what Dub has to do. Even SGA essentially just always knows he's the guy. Having a guy like Jalen Williams that can shift between those two mindsets, that is special. And, and he deserves credit for that.
2: Yeah, and my final point on it, something that's amazing with this new big three we have of Shea, Jalen Williams, and Chet Holmgren is that the ability of them to all play alongside and off of each other so well, because they can all put the ball on the floor, can play on ball, can play off ball, can shoot, can defend. There's no question about the fit between these three guys. They're one of the best fitting big threes you could possibly imagine. They all play both sides of the court and they're all like ridiculously clutch. They can all knock down free throws in those big moments. So it's not like you have to bench one of them. There's really no holes. And that does bring us to the question that Dylan was alluding to where, you know, coming into the season, it's, shea it's chet it's jalen williams and josh giddy was looked at as kind of part of this core group of guys he had a great playing game against the pelicans put up about 30 point near triple double i can't remember if he actually got to the triple double mm-hmm. but he had a pretty solid sophomore season there were still some questions about the fit and coming to this year i mean if we want to talk about one of the things that has kind of hurt the thunder the most it's been him out there on the court specifically we will play a team like against the um Like the Minnesota Timberwolves, for example, who are one of the top teams in the Western Conference. They'll put Rudy Gobert and Josh Giddy, just let him roam, and it completely wrecks the flow of the offense. Against the Dallas Mavericks, when we got blown out recently, they were literally playing him like he was Ben Simmons. They did not care. If he shot any shot and missed so many wide open corner threes because it's way more valuable to the defense to, you know, protect from a drive driver, a Jalen Williams driver, a Chet three or something like that, rather than like, you'll let Josh Giddy shoot wide open threes all day. Like you'll just let him have it because if he knocks down three of 11, that's eight bricks that you've gotten when, you know, you could be giving it to some of the most efficient scorers in the league. So I wanted to ask you kind of what's your read on this whole Josh Giddy conundrum. And I know for me personally, it's something I'm worried about because going towards the playoffs, that feels like one of the most exploitable flaws with the team.
3: Yeah. I mean, I have it go- in my notes all the way back to like one of the first games I watched this season. And, and I, I kind of put Giddy and Dort together. And I know Dort mm-hmm. has shot it much better this year and, and maybe not as big of an impact. Um, I remember I threw it out to somebody I know that does stuff with the Thunder. I said, "What, what, what would you think about trading out Giddy for Isaiah Joe? Like just in the lineup. Like let's just put Isaiah Joe in the starting lineup. Let Giddy play with ball in hand in the second unit. Now that doesn't make as much sense because of what we just talked about with Jalen Williams, mm. right? You essentially either have it in SGAs or Giddy's. I'm a little nervous that." we're gonna get into the playoffs and it's gonna be like hey josh giddy just maybe he shoots it really well guys like you know like i always cheer for for players to be successful but i'm with you guys like i assume dylan you have some of the same concerns i don't want to yeah okay um like i'm i'm nervous that he's i think it'd be close to like unplayable right Mm -hmm. and this was absolutely this is why I wanted them to make the move that they made. And I don't know, we'll I don't know what your guys' thoughts on Gordon Hayward was. That was the player that I had pinpointed, but I wanted them to go get somebody who, hey, if teams just straight up don't guard Giddy and he can't figure it out, you got to have somebody else that can play. And I know like Kaysen Wallace has been good, but Kaysen Wallace is a rookie. What's he going to do in the playoffs? Isaiah Joe has been good. Again, is it going to be there in the playoffs as much as I love him? So I like that they went and got a veteran who you feel like you can count on. Giddy may have to figure out the Draymond Green stuff, right? Like Draymond Green figured out, if they don't guard me, then I'm going to dribble right into a DHO with SGA because now his man isn't there to help Whenever he dribbles into the DHO, SGA can come off and get into a mid-range pull-up or you know, with J-Dub or whoever, and maybe he can figure out and hurt teams that way. There are ways to counteract this. It's hard to box out a guy that you're not guarding and paying attention to. So can he go back, grab a whole bunch of offensive rebounds and figure out those things, have perfectly timed cuts? But that will be interesting, and if he can't do it, I would not be shocked if we end up seeing some DMPs if this team makes a real run into the playoffs.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me personally, like we talked about the Minnesota matchup. That's one where I feel like he would be legitimately unplayable in sure. this current form. Like if you let Brady Gobert roam off of him for a playoff series, it kills cooked. everything else. You can't you can't do anything. It's completely cooked. And I worry about that too with like with the Nuggets, you know, if they want to put Aaron Gordon kind of on him and just let him kind of roam and destroy things. If we go up against the Lakers in the first round, are they gonna put AD on him? and just let him run like if we let those things happen it's a disaster which is also why you know you talked about the Gordon Hayward acquisition why I like that so much because to me the Gordon Hayward fits kind of the role that we would like to see Josh Giddy play but he's not great at it so if we slot Gordon Hayward into that starting lineup I think it makes us way more effective or you know like an Aaron Wiggins or a Kenrich depending on what the matchup looks like I just I don't see it going well in the playoffs especially with a lot of the matchups that we could yeah. get
3: well, just think about the advantage you lose against the Nuggets if they could put Jokic on Giddy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you me, like, we just talked about this. Oh, how's Chet going to guard Jokic? Well, how's Jokic going to guard Chet? You know how Jokic is going to guard Chet? He's going to go stand in the corner next to Josh Giddy, and mm-hmm. they're going to let Aaron Gordon guard Chet and you just lost one of the biggest advantages you have and now Mm. then you can also switch that like depending on who they have on SGA if it's somebody with enough size to switch out into Chet and then you just switch Aaron guard you know so like it just takes away a lot of those advantages that the Thunder offense is so good at creating because everybody can dribble pass shoot other than Giddy who can do two of those things really really well but if he's not doing the third and, you know, again, maybe he comes in in the first round and he just knocks down a bunch of corner threes and teams go away from it. But if not, like we've said, his minutes could very, very well be cut by a lot.
0: Yep, for sure. I, I, I've i said a lot about Josh Giddey uh, this season, so I'm not going to pile on uh, even though I'd like to. But I'm going to move on to the next question because we're getting kind of pressed for time and I, I want to get through most of these So. How do you view the Dort case and pairing? Uh would you view it as more of like a student master, uh, or master and apprentice, I guess, uh, training your replacement or best of both worlds?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I feel like Dort's been solid this year. What, what's mm-hmm. the vibe with Thunder fans? Right? Like it's mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Been good? I, 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 yeah, I, I think for the most part, you know, the shooting and the shot selection has been welcome. Um, with that, it feels like his defense might have taken a little bit of a step back uh from years past. So that's a little bit of of frustration. Uh, with some fans, but yeah, overall, like I'd say vibes are good.
3: Okay, yeah, Yeah, that's how I feel from watching again. I don't watch every game, so sometimes my opinions can be distorted a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was just looking at like contract stuff. I would think that this isn't some decision that needs to be rushed, right? Like Mm -hmm. Dort has a few more years. Kaysen is just a rookie. I wonder, I think this comes down to, can Kaysen be this efficient if you put him in a bigger role? Or is he kind of nestled into the role that fits him perfect for now? I'm not saying that he won't get better. I'm not saying that eventually you don't want to give him more. But is it the worst case if Kaysen stays in this role for at least one more year, right? Or you know maybe it is two years before you really have to make that decision. I don't think Dort's making so much money that you just have to get off of that contract or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think I would let this play out as long as, again, this is a guy – what does he do in the playoffs? Right, guys? Because he's shooting, what, like 38% from three?
2: 39, I
3: believe. 39% 39. from three on just under five attempts. Um, If you take Giddy off the floor and, let's say, put Isaiah Joe, you know who they're not going to guard now in that lineup? Mm-hmm. They're not going to guard Lou Dort. Now, obviously, there's a chance Lou makes him pay a little bit more, but what if he doesn't? That could expedite some of these decisions. But if he goes and has a really good playoff, I don't think I would like fast track getting Case and Wallace into the starting lineup just because and he has been insanely good. Like this mm. isn't Casey Wallace hate. I'm just saying I don't think you have to prioritize that. That that's my feeling on it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think we we all agree. There's some streakiness with Dort, but we there's this weird like there's a big game Lou Dort phenomenon. I feel like every <laughs> time we play in a big game, when the lights Lou are sh- bright, man. Yeah, every time the lights are bright, Lou shows up. So hopefully that is the case in these playoffs. I want to talk a little bit about Gordon Hayward. You sure. mentioned him. I know we all talked about him a little bit. Uh, do you think he's going to make a difference in this team? You know, is he going to help them become from like a potentially like a pretending type team to an actual contender? Like what kind of difference do you see him actually make? And do you think he's that big of a swing piece?
3: So I think the, the I have pinpointed gordon hayward going back a while like i got a lot of things wrong at the trade deadline this was one thing i actually got right i thought the hawks were gonna sell out obviously uh way off on that one so (laughs) i'm glad i got this one right my argument was i didn't want the thunder to make a big move i did not want them to go after a big fish because you may have the three big fish you need on the roster already so why go out before you even have any clue whether that's true or not and again even if they don't make it all the way to the Western conference finals this year, these guys are young enough that you don't like, Oh my gosh, like we got to go get a star with these three. It's not enough. But what I wanted them to have guys, I wanted them to have enough depth and some veteran depth that if these three are ready, if SGA Chet and Jalen are ready to take that leap in the playoffs this year that you're not going, Oh, I wish we had one more guy oh, I wish we had someone to put in for Josh Giddy, who the other team's not guarding. And that's exactly what Presty did. I love the move. I don't know that he's a game changer or changes the trajectory of the team, but what I think he does is if SGA is an MVP level all through the playoffs, if Chet is that defensive anchor we talked about, if J-Dub does what he has done all regular season, Gordon Hayward gives you another player to add to that mix, some veteran experience. That you're not just going, man, we don't have the fifth guy or the sixth guy to make this happen. We were one guy short. I didn't want the Thunder to go, oh, we missed out on a chance because we are one guy short. I think now you have that option. Yeah, it's
0: nice to have a
2: better experience on the roster too with the playoffs coming around. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there's a chance that he's gonna play more than some fans might even expect him to play. You know, so- as long as he's healthy
3: just let me ask this like do fans in general not like it do they think it's a non-factor like what was the thought like where where are fans at in general
0: fans were fine with the trade until they figured out we traded misich as well and then then everybody's like oh that feels like a little bit too much but yeah no that's that's just a little bit nitpicking i mean i think overall it was received well you know you still have the people screaming from the you know from skyscrapers that, you know, we need a, we need a big body guy to go down there and get rebounds. And like, you know, that's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that that's the tired argument that everybody wants to say, but you know, I I think overall people are okay with this uh, at, at the least they're okay with this trade and this addition. They realize that it's like, you know, kind of like a low risk, high reward type of thing. And it gives you flexibility in the future, you know, yeah. if, if it works out and you know, you can see like signs of like, you know, him working with the team then you know you have the option to yeah. you know resign him long term you know at much at a much lower contract
1: uh, much more yep. team
0: friendly deal and you know you know you can run him back you know obviously another year with the team an off season with the team getting to work with the team um you know building the chemistry and you know obviously you know try, trying to maintain some health and building a role like you know he'd be great um i actually wrote a uh I have a piece dropping tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, it, it will probably be out, so I don't mind telling you. But I talked about the three things that Gordon Hayward does that the Thunder all excel at, but he's also like why he's going to be on the floor. And the three things that like people don't kind of think about Gordon Hayward is he's he's a really good passer yes. um, for being like a secondary tertiary creator. I looked it up. He actually has .1 more assists per game than Josh Giddey does, ironically. So um, driving – like, he's a really good driver for somebody his age. Like, I think he has like 10.8 drives per game, which, you know, is like, it's like in like the 45 50 range. But like, Jalen Williams, who, like, we think of as like a relentless driver, he's at like 12.4 drives per game. So it's like kind of like right in that range and is cutting. Like, He is such a smart and opportune cutter. And, like, LaMelo Ball, I love him. Like, he's a phenomenal playmaker. That's kind of all they have at at Charlotte, like in Gordon Hayward's in terms of, like, playmakers. He's got Shea. He's got Dub. He's got Chet. Of course, he's got Giddy. Like, he's got so many people on the roster that are going to be finding him on cuts. And, you know, we've seen Aaron Wiggins, you know, like, vitalize his career before, you know, he started knocking down 50% from three this year strictly off cuts to the basket. Like Aaron Wiggins was who I called uh death by a thousand basket cuts. So (laughs) I I think like those three things, like Gordon Hayward's like going to add to this team in spades.
3: No, I I love it. I think he's a really nice fit. I I was just curious if fans thought he was actually going to be a part of the rotation or if they're like, no, we better not take minutes from Aaron Wiggins or, you know, those type of things. And the thing is, again, maybe all those guys are ready. Maybe they all play well in the playoffs but you want some insurance in case they're not because there's a chance that it doesn't all work out come playoff time whenever the pressure gets higher the defensive scouts get better all of those type of things
2: yeah i think it, it it makes sense to have a guy you know with that experience someone like you said i think insurance to me is the best way to take a look at it and at the very worst thing you know even if it doesn't play that much like the only guy we gave up that was in the rotation consistently was meetsich and i think we're gonna be perfectly fine without him so yeah we'll be good yep um, but yeah, well, uh, kind of going ahead and wrapping up this last, um, you know, the last bit of this, uh, podcast, I want to talk a little bit about the playoffs. Uh, we talked about a little bit, you know, we went over our maybe biggest biggest weakness in a playoff environment, which seems to be, you know, Josh Giddy, the fact that they could run off of him. What do you think the Thunder's biggest strength would be in a playoff environment?
3: Um, I mean, I think they're defense for one, right? Like they're mm-hmm. like you guys mentioned earlier, they're a top five defense with versatility. And I, I think that matters come playoffs. Um, I think they're well coached. And so you get into a playoff situation, maybe you lose game one trying to play certain coverages, certain schemes, but then you have personnel that can match up, do different things, take different matchups. Again, I talked about it, went through all of it with Chet. So I think just kind of that versatility they have, And then I think offensively, I think – I know like SGA, I think he may still be like number one in the NBA in transition and and stuff like that. But they can attack you in the half court with drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick and knock down a three. Like those – like I think that type of offense allows you to eventually find – the weak defender on the other team and attack them, so I think kind of that defensive versatility they offer with their personnel, and then offensively, it's not guard, excuse me, it's not easy to guard that many guys that can shoot the ball, pass the ball, those type of things. And then you guys said it somebody that seems pretty clutch to me in SGA, some that see somebody that seems pretty clutch in Jalen Williams, and like. I wouldn't be surprised if Chet Holmgren didn't hit some big shots in the playoffs and big moments as well. Like I think your three best dudes, not only do they fit well together, but they're competitors that are willing to hit big shots.
1: Yeah, yeah they never
2: really seem to miss in those big moments. I, I'll forever think about the uh, the Chet three that's to send the game to overtime against the Warriors in the yes. corner, like yes. that type of shot. We've seen those moments from Chet throughout the season too. They're all just ridiculously clutch in their first season playing as a trio, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, and you know they can get it done in a number of ways. I don't know what it is right now, but I know like recently they were ranked top five on offense and defense in terms of half court and transition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. So like if 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 you're getting it done like in both of those ways on both sides of the floor, like you're gonna be tough. You're gonna be tough out. So yeah. Uh, question I wanted to ask here is of the teams that are in the race, who are the best and
3: worst matchups for OKC? Ooh. I mean. So I think Minnesota is a little bit right because you guys just talked about like does Minnesota just go grab every single offensive rebound, right? Like do they just get big and they just, you know, and they have a guy in Anthony Edwards who, you know, maybe can duel with SGA in terms of just making big shots. And then those two big guys, and we talked about it, you know, if you don't go with Giddy or if you do go with Giddy, then Gobert can just roam. Um and then I think Denver in general, like I know you said that, you know, the Thunder are three and one against them, but like I still think they're a really tough out. I'm trying yeah. to think about the Clippers. I feel like that would be an interesting matchup because I do think Oklahoma City has the matchups for that. You know, with with Kawhi and PG, you could put Door and J-Dub on them. So I wonder if that ends up being a halfway decent matchup for the Thunder. What, what have those head-to-head matchups been like this year?
2: Uh, we played them once without Kawhi Leonard and blew them out in Oklahoma okay. City. And okay. then recently we had a pretty close game against them in L.A. where it was really close up until the end and Paul George went crazy in the okay. final quarter. And okay, I think, I think we ended up losing by about 10, but it was really close the most of the way. So, yeah. And, I mean, they were just – it was ridiculously tough shot making, which is what the Clippers do, you know, with Harden, Kawhi, Paul George – they can knock down those tough buckets, even though I feel like the guys are playing fantastic defense. Uh, we actually played them first game out of this break on yep. Thursday, okay. which I think will also tell us a lot. Is yeah. you know, and That one's in OKC, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. We okay. have a back-to-back and OKC. Okay, okay. Gotcha. that yeah. that one will be really interesting then, because like I say, yeah. like I just I, I like the versatility that they offer in some of those matchups. Um, so maybe a team like the Clippers, like they don't have as much trouble matching up as some other teams, because I, I I think the Clippers are really good. Like this yeah. West is mm-hmm. is going to be really interesting. So,
2: yeah, it will also be the first game with uh Gordon Hayward is supposed to play that first game, I believe. Okay. Nice. So good. fingers crossed, we'll see what he does. Um, and then kind of wrapping it up here with this playoff section before getting to some rapid fire questions. Uh, who do you think is the X factor for Oklahoma city for the rest of the season and in the playoffs in particular, who do you is like the X factor guy to really turn us from, you know, maybe we make it out of the first round to making a Western conference finals run.
3: Yeah. So I'm going to go like, I'm I'm going to cheat a little bit here, but I think it's got to be either like Adore, door and Wallace, Isaiah, like one of those guys yeah. just has a playoffs where they shoot lights out, right? Like Mm -hmm. not the same type of players but you know Rui Hachimura right the playoff run he went off with the Lakers in terms of his shot making was a major difference we saw it with the Heat right with Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and those guys and so I think as good as SGA Chet like it would be like those guys have to be the dudes right Mm -hmm. so it's gonna take Dort going 45% from three throughout the playoffs or Isaiah Joe just going crazy or case. And, you know, someone, I think if you have one of those guys that just goes on one of those heaters, that's what is like the X factor to get you into a Western conference finals, potentially an NBA finals.
0: All right. I like it. Um, All right, man. Uh, I know you covered the draft now a little bit. I'm not going to ask you all the draft questions because I'm going to try to get to the predictions to get you out of here. But I just want to ask you, uh, who is your favorite
3: fit? in the draft class for OKC, and why is it Reed Shepard? Okay, so Reed Shepard is a good one. <laughs> um, you were also, I think, you know, I I think we took Filipowski in a recent mock yeah. with Sam. Yeah, um, I, And I think that made a lot of sense. We talked a lot about Kelly Olynyk as a potential fit for this team, like around mm-hmm. the trade deadline. Uh, Matas mm-hmm. Bezelis is a guy that makes a lot of sense because he's a bigger, like, wing that can theoretically dribble past shoot. The answer is Cody Williams, though. Like, Cody Williams is the answer if you give mm. me anybody. And I know that's a cop-out answer because of his brother. But again, Cody Williams has high basketball I feel, uh, uh, feel, excuse me, IQ. He has great touch around the rim. He can attack off the bounce. He can play on or off the ball. Right now, he's shooting it really well on somewhat low volume. And he defends. So I'm like, we just talked about all of these things all podcast long. Cody Williams is the answer, Um, but there's some other names that make a lot. You know, a name that popped into my head while I was listening to UConn is Bobby Clintman, who plays in the NBL. I think Bobby Clintman is the best off-ball cutter in this draft. Um, He's not a lottery guy, so I don't want Thunder fans to think I'm speaking that into existence. He's an end-of-the-first-round guy, but like you talk about a guy that can thrive cutting off the ball – can shoot it a little bit, can handle a little bit, play a little bit of defense. That's actually a really nice fit. that you know later in the first round type of guy.
0: He's got crazy length too, doesn't he?
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. But I, I like his game.
0: Yeah. Hey, Presley likes the NBL pipeline, so I could mm-hmm. I could see it happening. There you go. Um, all right, man. Kind of uh, rapid fire on these projection predictions here. Uh, I'm not setting you up or anything like that. It's over under. So basically, okay. I've got like. Seven or eight over-unders, we'll just rapid fire. You can say as much or as little about them as you want to do. Cool. And uh, we'll we'll wrap it up, man. So, over-under, one and a half major individual awards for the Thunder.
3: Uh, Under. Wait, hold on. Major individual. Um, Does that count? Yeah, under. Gosh dang, that sucks. Yeah, under. Sorry. (laughs) It's
0: all good. It's all good. Go go with your heart, man. Uh, All right, over-under, one and a half all-defensive team guys. over okay i like it all right over under one and a half all rookie first team
3: under sorry Kason.
0: it's understandable second, up second team one. second <laughs> team uh over under one and a half draft picks used in the show
3: <laughs> i was just thinking about this the other day it has to be under like a the, the, uh, total draft picks first or second round Yes. Uh, no, over.
0: Okay. Over under 54 and a half wins on the season.
3: 54 and a half. They have 37. They have 54, 28. What'd you say? 57? 54 and a half. 54 and
2: a half. I believe we're directly on pace for 56 at the moment.
3: They'd have to go like 17 and 11. Is that right? I think yeah, that's right. Yes. 17 and 11. Seventeen and eleven. It sounds like they're better than seventeen and eleven. Over.
0: Okay, I like it. I like to hear. All right, over under top two seed.
3: Okay, is over a top two
0: seed? God, I did it wrong again. Sorry. Over under top two and a half seed.
2: There you go.
3: I I read it and I was like, "What is he supposed to say with this question?" (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: just say yes.
3: Okay, so under would be first or second seed.
0: So over would be second or first seed. I'm thinking of okay. like, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, the
3: standings. Like Got it. I'm yeah, yeah. trying to complicate. I'm so sorry. Uh, over. It's Fine. I, over. I worded it terribly. I think. Like I think, it. I like I it. think they're going to finish as a top two.
0: Okay. All right. This is this is the fun one here. Over under one and a half rounds. One in the playoffs.
2: <sighs>
0: Bryce is yeah, this, laboring over this one.
3: This is this is the hard. This is the tough one. Um, This sucks. Um, If you say under, we're not going to be hurt. I'm so it's sorry. Okay. I'm going to go. Hurt. So here's the thing. The
2: West, I, is, re- the West is really
3: good. The, if West we, is, the West is really good. And yeah. I just have this philosophy that you have to have heartbreak before you make that run. Like you have to go through it. You have to learn. I hope they break. Like I truly, guys – I truly love watching this team. They are so much fun to watch. Like I truly do. I'm going to say under. Like I think they win their first round. I think they lose in the second round. And then I think they come back the next year and go further and even better. But that's just kind of my personal philosophy on these things. I mean it's all tough right.
2: too with like there's the wolves, the nuggets, the clippers, there's all these good teams. Like they may they may
3: has- meet the nuggets if they get the one seed, like they can meet the nuggets in the semifinals. And like yeah. at the end of the day, I love the Thunder. I'm not picking against the Nuggets until they lose. Like I'm just not going to. And I think the I think the Nuggets have real depth ish like questions. Not I shouldn't mm-hmm. say issues, but like I have some real wonders about that but until i see it i'm not going to pick against it and i think the clippers are really good as well if you tell me they meet the timberwolves in the semifinals i don't know like that would take some shuffling in the standings but we just talked about how that could be a really bad matchup for them too right so mm-hmm. I, I think i, I think i got to go under i'm sorry it's all right it's
0: okay it's we're not mad it's, a, it's all good we'll throw your life raft here um how many how many games in the second round five
3: or sorry sorry no seven excuse me misspoke. Oh. seven <laughs> So that's a start I'm, difference bro <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm so i'm sorry
3: seven. that's okay
2: if we lose seven games second round that's perfectly fine that's yeah great. that's
0: fine that's a good trajectory to you know build off of next year mm. all right last over under and then i got one more question uh over one half 2024 mvps on the roster
3: <laughs> over i said it earlier man like let's just go let's there go there we go
1: Let's I think go, Rice.
3: I think there's a real chance. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you guys think that? Like, even if you took mm-hmm. your biases aside, don't you think there's a real chance?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I think if we end up as the first seed yes. um, and the Nuggets end up as the four, I think
3: Shea that's would have to. it. That's it. I think the reason it's a conversation right now is because the Nuggets are at four. Um, yeah. I was going back to my all defensive question because I said over, right? On one and a half. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, I was thinking Chet and sga yeah but i don't know that chet's gonna get it because the competition is so tough I know, i'm man. not changing my answer i'm just I was trying to think don't you yeah. think those are the two most likely though yeah 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 for sure yeah for sure yeah dork never
0: gonna get on a defensive team no matter yeah. what he does. yeah and this isn't the year that he would get on one
3: yeah, yeah. i'm just saying there's some stark competition for for chet like do you think chet or sga has, is more likely
2: it depends, because you know there's there's Gobert, who's one of the bigs, who's going to make it. You know, you've got for front court. There's also Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, but I do think Victor, when you get to the, even Victor, yeah, yeah even Victor is in changed. that conversation. But I do think when team you get positionless, to, I believe it's I think it's two back court, three front court. I believe uh, I don't. know. They might have made it positionless like All NBA. I can't remember. I know All NBA is, uh, but I think there's still two guard, two three forward. Yeah, but I've even in it. that case. I mean, I think, you know, anchor of a top five defense in the NBA, I think he's got a pretty good shot at the very least with second team.
3: You at least have to get one based off team. success. So it's like, does the other one, like one of them maybe ends up first. Does the other one get second team? This is looking unless it changed, like you say, with all NBA, it looks like it's not positionless. That's why I started to get nervous in terms of both of them getting on there. But yeah, Mm -hmm. if there's three front court spots, he could get second team. Derek White's gonna get on it at the guard position. Caruso, maybe from what I'm from what I'm seeing here, it may actually, I think it may have moved to positionless for all defense. Okay, so that changes it a little bit too. That makes yeah. it okay. I, I was gonna stick with it either either way. I just wanted to look at it a little bit more. There's so I no feel yeah. better about it this way. Yeah, all right. Sorry, yeah. you had you had more. My bad. I always no, no, no. start asking <laughs> questions and hijacking under- those <laughs> pods. I'm sorry, man.
0: You're good, man. We're flexible. Like I said, you know, it's a roadmap. We take detours every now and then. I got. Uh, so. g- got to see the sights. Yes. Um. Yeah. In terms of like shay on the MVP, like, I you know, like I said, I think if he gets the one seed, he maintains this production, maybe even continues to ramp up because over the past couple of years, like post All Star break, Shay's three point shooting like takes a spike. And so oh, yeah.
2: he, he hit seven of ten in the All Star game. We'll say that.
3: Yeah, so there, yeah. There was I mean, shooting. There
0: could be a sign of things to come. And well, it's- I don't. <laughs> Yeah,
3: go ahead. I say it's a two-horse race, right? Like, it's him and Jokic right now. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if the Bucks really grew in the standings, if the Mavericks made a crazy run, they look good pre-all-star you know, All-Star break. I mean, Tatum's probably the one that's kind of getting jobbed in this whole conversation right now. But, I mean, he probably has the best overall team that he's playing with too. Like like you said, Dylan, if, if the Thunder finish one, the Nuggets finish four, there's a strong argument here.
0: Yeah, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, he shoots such a low volume on threes that can creep up in the 40s. And I know his three throw, his free throw shooting's in, like, the 88s right now, but, you know, we've seen him at, like, I think he was at 91 last year. So, like, and he takes a ton of free throws. So, you know, if he starts, like, making those and not missing, like, two, three, four in, you know, random games – it, like you know one seed maintain his production the leap on defense 50 40 90 i don't think you cannot get the guy mvp
3: yeah i think you there's know. a super strong argument
0: i love it all right man bold prediction for the thunder before we go off
3: oh just anything anything um bold prediction I, I feel like I would anything I would say would counter the over unders I just <laughs> answered. <laughs> that's
0: that's probably a host error there. Sorry about that.
3: Um because I wanted to be like giddy has do not plays in the you know in, in playoff games, but we kind of already discussed that. That's probably not that bold either. Like I feel like that's I feel, not...
2: like, I feel like it is bold though, because the fact that we're still yeah. starting him, like if he got straight DNPs, I would honestly be even though that might be what we should do. I would I'd be, be sure. genuinely surprised. So, okay, I think that's I'll, a good bull prediction.
3: I'll stick with that then. That that Josh Giddy has at least one DNP in the playoffs. Okay, I like it. Colin, it shot. Who's starting <laughs> this place? Gordon Hayward. Okay, let's go. I would like to see it. The let's haymaker
0: it. himself.
3: So I'm <laughs> gonna get so much hate on Twitter when this comes out. I can't wait.
0: Hey, you're, you're going to get just as many people that appreciate you. So. Okay, good. Yeah. I can take that. It's I, all
3: good. Uh, words of affirmation is my love language, everybody. So just be gentle. <laughs> Please be gentle. Do it in the DM, not over a comment.
0: <laughs> hey, same here, man. Same here. So, all right, Bryce, the floor is yours. You know, you've been most gracious and, you know, trying to get on, uh, trying to get on the pause with all the technical difficulties. It was an awesome conversation. We want to give you an opportunity to plug anything you're working on where folks can find you.
3: Yeah. So at Motor City Hoops on Twitter, it is a lot of Pistons stuff, guys. But um, I more and more just general NBA, NBA draft, game theory pod with Sam Bassini. Um, if you want to listen to a Pistons pod for some reason, um, the Pistons <laughs> Pulse, I do that with Omar Sanko for the second Pistons beat writer for the Detroit V Press. I recently started a Substack where, again, it's some Pistons stuff, but it's also I give my raw notes from general NBA games I watch, which will be some Thunder. And I started dropping uh, 2024. For NBA draft scouts. I just give raw notes. It's not articles. It's just like how I watch the game and take notes on those things. So it's a little bit of a different of a look, but maybe it may interest you. So uh, check that out. Motorcityhoops.substack.whatever. Go to my Twitter and you can find it on there. So guys, I had a blast. I appreciate you guys so much. Um, It's 1115. I am starving, but I like am not even thinking about it because I enjoy talking hoops with you guys and I appreciate it. Appreciate hey, you coming sure. on, man. It was an
2: awesome convo, for real. Appreciate.
3: Yeah,
0: you you've been most gracious coming on. Always a blast. You know, had had a great time talking to you whenever we was on Jack's pod. Yeah, equally great time here. We'll definitely have you back uh, once the uh, you know, playoffs come around. Probably have like a super mega playoff preview. Definitely have you on draft time. Like this this is gonna be uh, a continued uh, relationship we got here. I'm game. All right man well hey we're going to close out the podcast but before we do um you know we do a thunder up at the end you know I know you I know you got piston fandom but you know if you want to okay. join us you can so uh, with that being said everybody thank you all for listening hope you guys have a great night god bless hoop when you can and as always
2: thunder up thunder up
3: thunder up let's go Bryce.
2: we got one there we go
0: <laughs>